it's going to be Stop the Pressure Day on um, the 19th of November, which I believe is Thursday, which might well be today if we get the podcast out today. Um, <laughs> on the day, rather. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, how important is this this campaign? You've, you obviously are a member of our clinical negligence department, so you know a bit more about, um, uh, you know, pressure sores than probably a, a few people. So, you know, how important is it that people understand how to you know stop the pressure today's called yeah well it, it's it's vital really because it can crop up in any uh, at any time of your life really because all it takes is a, a relatively minor injury to to render you um needing bed rest and and those uh, issues become really pertinent obviously if you're if you're laying lying in bed then you are susceptible to, to having those sores and they need to be managed appropriately and the risk assessed. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I guess it's, it's, especially for people with kind of particular catastrophic injuries where they're rendered, you know, paralysed and can't move themselves. You exactly. Know, I guess. So, Even more so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Today we have uh, Katrin May um, and Annabelle Lofthouse who are uh, co-owners of Breakthrough Case Management um, and they're going to be talking to us today about pressure sores and everything you need to know. Uh, welcome both. Hi. Hi. So I guess the, the first question is um, what are the what, what symptoms of a, of a pressure sore? Um, well, I suppose the first visible symptoms uh, would be reddening and discoloration of the skin. Um, there might be some uh, some uh, changes in the texture of the skin. Um, that reddening and discoloration, it, it, it wouldn't blanch upon touch. Um, so touching the, the reddened area, uh, it wouldn't change colour. Um, the client may be in some pain. Um, uh, the area around um, the pressure also could be tender, um, might be swollen. Um, so I think those are possibly the first visible signs. Okay, okay. And and, and do, do they usually occur in a specific place or is it kind of dependent on the injury because you know we we work with a lot of spinally injured people so yeah. for example take take someone with a spinal cord injury is there somewhere they should particularly be aware of that they might might find a pressure sore uh, well, I mean, they can occur anywhere. Um, however, there are some um, some very, very, some more sensitive places um, that are more prone to pressure ulcers. And that would include the sacrum, uh, so around the, the bottom area, shoulder blades, uh, spine, heels, ankles, back of the head and ears. Essentially, you know, bony prominences are are where we are most concerned and most vigilant okay so 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 that's if if someone is you know uh quadriplegic i'm assuming i'm getting the right term um you know lying lying in bed all day so that could be anywhere from the back of their head to you know the the back of back of their legs and back back their ankles and stuff like that okay okay um i think that when somebody goes into any kind of setting with any you know that kind of injury um ed that that monitoring uh, for a, a pressure sore should be top of the list of the of the things that should happen is that yeah. right absolutely mm. yeah. yeah you can get um lots of patients get pressure sores from oxygen masks from their jewelry from absolutely anything if they are in bed and unable to move okay. yeah well you you hear nightmare stories of you know patients developing uh, pressure sores where you know the, the bed sheets have just been creased or wrinkled or there's crumbs in the bed um, oh, wow. that have you know that have been missed 
and just something really small um you know over a matter of time particularly if you've got a high risk uh, client or patient as you mentioned spinal injury in particular um it, it doesn't take long uh, for the skin to break down right and, and and i guess is is that where is that where the issues really really happen is where they come in those areas where people don't necessarily expect would that, would that be what you say annabelle oh i i think it's it's a it's a matter of vigilance um and i think you know katrin and i often talk about this it's it's it, it's a matter of obviously we, we you know we have trained carers and the nurses are trained in this but you know we, we still have to remain vigilant but it's also about um i suppose educating clients um, and their families uh, as to what to look out for and, and how to manage, you know, and observe their own skin integrity and uh, and those things that perhaps that we're not always looking at, you know, so, you know, are there any creases in our bed sheets? Um, mm-hmm. you, but you perhaps, you know, as a general rule, wouldn't look at that and think that that could cause a problem with your skin integrity. But if you have risk factors or if you're, you know, immobile, then it can. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And what, and I guess, unfortunately, if these things are mismanaged, there can be quite dire consequences for people. What are the consequences that you've experienced when people do have pressure sores mismanaged? <laughs> Without going into too much detail. <laughs> well, I suppose as, as a, as, in terms of, you know, as a, as a case manager, um, you know, it, you know, it, it, it if if a client sort of is, you know, if if we accept a client, and sometimes we do accept clients um, who've developed uh, pressure ulcers in hospital, um, and uh, that has an impact on their rehabilitation in terms of you know a delay to some parts of rehabilitation that that we might recommend. Um, I've certainly had cases in the past where um, hydrotherapy was a really important part of um, recommended rehabilitation and actually it was delayed by four or five months while we treated um, three pressure ulcers that the client developed in hospital. Um, so, so there's a, there's an impact to ongoing rehabilitation, but, but, you know, but also the actual, the active rehabilitation that a client can participate in, in their own home. Um, so, you know, for the, the equipment that they might use. So with a spinal injury, it might be an FES bike, um, and it, it can have an impact on, on their use of equipment that's really important to their long-term rehabilitation and recovery. So it, it has an impact from that perspective. But but in terms of care provision as well, it, it can have a real impact um, uh, because, you know, clients c- can often then require more bed rest, um, free, more frequent turns. So we can find that as a case manager that you know a care package is significantly increased um if a, if a client develops a pressure ulcer and we can also have to think about it's not just that it happens in um in in the in the bed situation it could happen in a wheelchair or in, in those kind of things as well so it, the equipment is vital to those kind of things isn't it so that's what you know providing that and assessing that need is is essential 
Absolutely. And as, as case managers, you know, we work very closely with the the entire multidisciplinary team um, and we're, we're very fortunate to do that. Um, uh, so we liaise frequent, frequently with our occupational uh, therapy colleagues and our physiotherapy colleagues and our tissue viability nursing colleagues. Uh, and really, we, we do have a sort of a multidisciplinary approach uh, to, to ongoing management for all our clients. Um, but but certainly, yes, you know, it, the equipment, as you rightly say, it's really, really important that the, the right bed, the right seating, you know, if, if, if somebody's using a wheelchair, that wheelchair services are involved and there's regular reviews of that. Um, so, so it's a really, it's a, it's a multi-layered approach. Okay, okay. And, and so I guess bringing it around onto um, how people themselves can can manage it and be vigilant. Is there anything that people, I guess, specifically in relation to spinal cord injury, is there anything um, people can do as like a daily checklist or routine to help them avoid pressure sores? It's important that um, there's a visual check of their skin every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're making sure that your client is hydrated. It's not just about pressure. It's about having a body that's healthy, well hydrated, um, good nutrition, positioning, um, trying to mobilize that person as much as possible. And most important really is sort of the, the fact that the client and the carers are very aware that it is a possibility. So, so if they're getting that to that stage, aren't they just, you know, they, that, Am I am I right in thinking there's the Waterloo score, isn't there? The Waterloo checklist. Yeah, that's correct. Which is basically, it, it's mandatory. It must be mandatory to be carried out in those kind of situations. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And there's, every there's two scales. Waterloo. Mm. Every client, regardless of their status, really. Yeah. And and to fail to do so because well, I'm interested from a clinical point of view, especially with the um, the bre- um, the spinal injuries, uh, if they're coming, if you're seeing them and they have um, pressure sores already, yes, that that must be uh, completely avoidable. There's no is is there any excuse these days? <sighs> That's a really difficult question, actually. And and before we came came on to talk to you, we we actually had a little conversation about this because. Um, I, I think historically, and rightly so, that the natural response is that actually, you know, you've been in hospital or, you know, you've been, you've been in an environment where a pressure ulcer um, should be avoidable. Mm. Um, and it, it's a natural response to to think, actually, how could this possibly happen? It should be avoidable. But there are situations where um, a pressure ulcer may be deemed unavoidable. unavoidable. And, you know, certainly with, with a, a patient with or a client with capacity um, who, who perhaps, you know, doesn't want to get on the bed and yeah. have some bed rest and refuses, sure. um, that can potentially uh, sort of undermine a skincare regime. Um, so that there are there are instances where there there are grey areas, so to speak. Um, but in general, you know, all healthcare professionals should be working together to yeah. you know to, to manage what we would hope would be an avoidable risk, uh, yeah. so far as practi- practically possible. Yeah, I mean, I would be talking about you know when you see um, the skin starts to redden, or even a grade one, so that you could possibly, you know maybe be forgiven for, for that starting just because of of how uh, the care 
needs a, a focused early on. But letting that progress has got to be, um, you know, it's got to be pretty dangerous, hasn't it? You know, to get to any kind of grade four has got to be, you know. Absolutely. And, and you know, that the whole point of the, you know, the assessments and the you know, understanding the risks um, is so that the right equipment, the right mattress is, um, you know, is ordered, prescribed, for, you know, from the, from the very beginning. Mm. Um, there is, there's a, and I'm not very good with um, acronyms, but there's, there's one um, skin, which is S-S-K-I-N. Um, and it, it really demonstrates five actionable steps that assist in the prevention of pressure ulcers. Um, uh, the first letter S stands for surface, ensuring the surface is supporting uh, your patient offer sufficient pressure relief. Second S is for skin inspection. Uh, suggests early inspection enables early detection, which is when ulcers are the easiest to treat, um, as you rightly point out at stage one. Um, keep your patients moving. Uh, regular body movement assists blood flow and redistributes the pressure. Um, keeping an eye um, on incontinence and moisture. Uh, really, really important, actually, that clean and dry patient is less likely to develop pressure ulcers. And then the final uh, letter N is nutrition, hydration. Um, so also the importance of a, a good diet and plenty of fluids uh, to keep a patient's skin healthy. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's actually really useful um, just of, as acronyms go. I think that's quite a useful one. Definitely. Um, and certainly, yes, you know, we would look to assess a, a client and make sure that, you know, the right mattress, the right seating, mm. um, you know, the right physical therapy program with a spinal uh, injury uh, client so that they have got every opportunity to mobilize and to increase their cardiovascular health um, is really, really important. Keep it keeping our, our, our patients moving. Um, inevitably with a, a spinal injury client um you know there, there can be a dis disruption to normal bowel habit um so you know it can be the case that medication can cause disruption uh, to normal bowel habit and you know that the, the client can suffer episodes of incontinence um and in those situations if you know, certainly if a, if a client already has a pressure ulcer in the sacral area, that, that can really impact um, recovery and treatment. Um, so really, really important to, to, to sort of to, to focus on continence and keeping an area clean and dry. That's really helpful. Yeah, no, I think that's really clear guidance. Um, so, I mean, is there is there anything else? It sounds like we've kind of covered everything that, you know, from a starter's point of view, you need to know about pressure, pressure ulcers and pressure sores. Um, but is there anything else you really think people should know, even outside of spinal, spinal cord injured people um, about about these um, injuries, I guess? Uh, I, I suppose, you know, it. As as case managers, as I say, you know, it's it's important to you know to make sure that um, sort of a, a water low assessment and a skin assessment is an integral part of your um, your case management planning and your care planning, um, and that the client is involved in that, the client's family is involved in that, the care teams are, are trained properly to identify, um, you know 
and understand uh, those clients that are at higher risk and understand what to look out for. Um, and I, I said, yeah, I, I would say that it is that sort of continuous monitoring, um, understanding the risks, um, ensuring as well that, you know, robust documentation is in place. Um uh, so that you know, it, you know, we, we are monitoring the most vulnerable and at-risk uh, clients, um, and that if if there is any discoloration or reddening to the skin, that that is very closely observed. Yeah. Um, and you know, for, for clients that have got, you know, either sort of sort of larger care packages or or family that are involved in care that that is documented appropriately and any changes um are documented and actually are communicated to you know to the right people in the team that's right i mean it is it is vital in all these things you know obviously we've talked about the equipment but writing good notes about what's happening and what's happened is vital as well isn't it it is it's crucial um, and in certainly in terms of you know of pressure ulcer monitoring, you know we, we're looking at you know the the size, um, you know the the depth, the dimensions, the tissue type. Um, uh, so really a, a complete assessment, you know, and also looking for you know potentially signs of systemic infection. You know, there's a there's a risk with an untreated or certainly a severe. Um, uh, pressure, pressure also that you know the, the risks of uh, septicemia. Um, absolutely. So yeah, it's a really good chat with Catherine and Annabelle. Um, really interesting stuff that came out of that, especially the need for vigilance. Um, we've got two of our team who've already been guests on the podcast. Um, we've got Simon Elliman, who's head of our clinical negligence department. And we've also got uh, Stuart Brasington, who's a partner in our PI department, uh, who's worked with uh, many spinal, spinal cord injured clients in the past. Um, I think we'll go first to Simon and just ask a bit more information on, obviously, you've run a lot of medical negligence cases in the past and overseen them. Uh, you know, what what kind of things happen when pressure sores really are badly mismanaged? Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, I, uh, it was interesting listening um, uh, to to um, what Katrin and Annabelle were saying in terms of what can be done to avoid pressure sores. Um, and uh, clearly, um, in lots of cases, there is some very good work done in, in avoiding them. Um, but we have occasionally ourselves seen cases where that hasn't been so well managed. And, uh, yeah, the consequences can be pretty pretty severe. Uh, so um, one, one example is a client of ours who'd sustained a spinal cord injury following a horse riding accident. Um, and as a re- result of that, he became paraplegic and a wheelchair user. Um, and in fact, he had really good um, rehab and regained a lot of independence and resumed working. But about 10 years after his accident, he developed a small sacral sore and then um, another small pressure sore on his right hip. And those pressure sores weren't managed well. And within five months, they were both at grade three level and subsequently went to grade four level and became necrotic. Um, and he had to have a VAC therapy. And in the end, it took in excess of four years for those wounds to heal. 
Um, so I think that's an example of, you know, how extreme it can be in terms of the time scale. I think Katrin and Annabelle were talking about delays to rehab for four or five months, which might be a more common scenario. Um, but it, but it, it can be a lot worse than that if things are not managed well. Um, and this was a guy who was 10 years post-injury. He understood his physical condition and he knew that he'd be more prone to pressure sores. He'd had a, a few superficial sores over the years. And I think that that's another part of the message is that it is inevitable that now and again, you might get the start of a pressure sore, uh, but it's how it's managed. And those had all healed quickly. Um, but, it, but in this case, um, he had a period of enforced bed rest and uh, he, his mobility suffered, he lost muscle mass and it all becomes a bit of a vicious cycle. Um, uh, and then the weaker he got, the less he could mobilise. Um, and after a while, he could no longer drive an adapted car um, and lost a lot of independence. So um, I've talked about that sort of individual case quite a lot, but I think it's quite a good example of how things can go badly and how they can escalate. You can kind yeah. of get this vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, crisis on crisis for people who've been spinal cord injured isn't it it's it's they, they've got this one thing to deal with and then all of a sudden they've got all these different things to deal with if they get a pressure sore so i guess it's really important that they have that managed properly um so just moving on to to stuart um how how can kind of when you're uh, going through the process of a spinal cord injury claim how, how can you ensure that there's the right team around people because Annabelle was very clear that it's, it's really important to get the right team around people to ensure these kind of things don't happen. Yeah, it was interesting listening to Annabelle. She's absolutely right. Um, surrounding your client with those people who have the expertise and the knowledge to deal with spinal cord injury is fundamental. The NHS are, are fantastic in what they do, but when people come out to live in the community, then obviously they want to go into a very different life and an active life and they want to do whatever they can do, which can lead to particular issues. So um, skin integrity is very different for all of us and following spinal cord injury, it does need careful assessment. The case manager has a fundamental role in putting together an appropriate treating team that can supplement what the NHS provide, but on a day-to-day -day basis. So if people want to lead active lives, if they want to go and play wheelchair rugby or do extreme sports, why, why not go for it? That can obviously lead to damage and to uh, issues with the skin and it's critical those are picked up quickly. So an experienced care team, a care team which has the access to relevant training to pick up on these issues. And I'm touching wood as I say it, I've never had a client who's developed a serious pressure sore. They've always been spotted and dealt with appropriately. Um, that's not to say I won't have one, but hopefully I never will because it is a huge, huge problem to deal with for yeah. people and can lead to many, many months of bed rest. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, well, it sounds like um, vigilance. As, as Annabelle and Catherine were saying, and also the right team around you is extremely important. So um, I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. So yeah, thanks uh, again to Stuart and Simon for their input as ever, um, demonstrating their expert knowledge in, in the area of uh, personal injury and medical negligence. Um, you know, 
what what have you learned steve i've learned a hell of a lot because i knew nothing about pressure sores um but you know have you learned anything particularly new given your previous knowledge yeah, well, I just just how important it is, and also those the, the the little things to look out for, as as we were talking about in 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 the pod earlier about the, just a simple thing like a a bed crease or or your clothes. Oh yeah, that's nuts. You know, though, it's, <laughs> yeah, all these things must be taken into consideration, and, it, and it, it's all too easy to to overlook them. So yeah, I have yeah. learned quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's that uh, vigilance message yeah. is yeah is extra important because you know it's not it's not always easy to avoid these things but you know there are definitely things people can be be doing to ensure that um the right procedures are in place sure. um like the 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 skin um skin uh yes pretty, you know acronym that annabelle yeah. was saying about um and i actually think there's there's quite interesting what annabelle was saying um as as Stuart elaborated on about the whole the team team around the patient yes. as we have our team around the client thing here at roger the king you know so, that whole building the right team around the, the patient to ensure these kind of things are looked after is is vitally important so um yeah uh, yeah, and that really team often involves the family as well, because you know the, the family are often providing um, care in the home. Uh, yeah. Outside, outside, so yeah, you know that team very much includes the family too. Yeah. yeah. Okay then. So um, I guess we'll just leave it there for today. But thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. You have been listening to the Ahead of the Curve podcast from Roy to the King, presented by Steve Wake and Ed Wooten, with music by Sam Page. 